In this episode, Laura and I will talk about key resources that may be necessary for implementing certain information governance projects. Hello, thank you for joining us. This is What Counts by Trailblazer Consulting. In this podcast, we highlight proven solutions that we have developed through our experience working with companies across various industries, and we talk about how you can apply them to your company. We're here to share our experience solving information management challenges, like creating and implementing a records retention schedule, creating an asset data hierarchy, or helping with email management. This is Lee, and in this episode, Laura and I will talk about key resources that may be necessary for implementing certain information governance projects. Laura, this could go in a variety of different ways, don't you think? Meaning, we could talk about internal resources like IT and legal, or external resources like software vendors and consultants. So where do you think we should start? Hi, Lee. I think that you're right. This can go a lot of different ways. Where I would like to start is on the internal side, because no matter how great your consultants are, you're going to need somebody in your company to understand what's happening, to make sure that it's going to fit your needs and to drive things forward. So when I think about the internal side of this, we talked a lot during the assessment phase about the need for champions. Those champions are going to continue to carry you through any of your implementation projects. You're going to need them to help you rally the troops, get everybody excited about things, and to really give you good feedback on this is working, this is not working, let's make a difference, let's make a change here. So internal resources, you mentioned IT and legal, and that's really important, especially for any information governance project, you need that legal component to make sure that Whatever you put in place is going to follow the policies, follow the rules. You need IT because there's probably a technology component. But the part that I think sometimes gets lost is the business side. So those are your users. Those are the people who are creating your information and who are depending on your information to carry out a business process, basically to do the business of your company. Those users need to be part of your implementation project from planning through testing and ready to go, ready to launch. So, however, all those people have real jobs. (laughs) They're already busy. They're already probably overbooked, triple booked on any given day with a bunch of meetings. So classic IT implementation, the IT team wants in the, if you bring in a software vendor, this is what they'll want or an implement a system integrator or an implementation consultant. They're going to want to spend time with these business users, with subject matter experts, do deep dive requirements, gathering design iterations, maybe a lot of demos, then the testing. And, you know, even if you go into an agile mode, instead of a waterfall, you know, going from all des- all requirements, all design, all build. If you're doing agile and you're going faster, you're doing little bits of requirements, design and build, little bits of requirements, design and build. So you get to the end. It's still a big chunk of time for your business users. So as you're thinking about your internal resources, I like to actually scope that out as if you had to pay for them. Now, some companies that we work with, they do in fact charge the project for the time of the internal resources. Some don't. But whether you're going to have to account for it with dollars or not, it's good to scope it out, understand the hours 
commitment that you're asking for, understand whether it's a, a constant level of commitment from the beginning of the project through to the end, or is there a big chunk of time that they're gonna spend with you at the beginning where they're doing the kind of iterative requirements design, hey, what does this look like for you? Does this make sense? And then the end where they're testing and training to get ready to go. Scope it out and make sure everybody understands that. Look, for this contract management solution to be a success, we need one representative from each of these five stakeholder groups, and they're gonna be in at least a two hour meeting, one day a week, every week for the next six months or something like that. And that's just to do the implementation. The other piece of it though, is your business process is gonna change. If you're implementing new technology, there's a change to business process. And the business users have to actually take that responsibility on themselves because they have to, and they have to understand this is our process. This is where we're trying to go. We asked for this technology. We want this technology. What's the impact on our process? Because if you don't do that step, then your technology implementation is not going to be as successful as you want. And you will have spent a lot of time with your internal resources focused on this project, and they're going to be unhappy at the end. They also might not use it because if it's harder to use the new system than it is to do the old workaround process, they're going to stick with the old workaround process. So for me, you can't underestimate the importance of those internal business-focused resources and spending the time to get the buy-in, to get the commitment that you can have those people for the right amount of time. And it's probably people who are being pulled in five directions because they're the ones who know what's happening, but you need them. The other key internal resource, and it might be more than one person, but ideally you want one, and that is your decision maker. All those business people are going to have an input. IT is going to have an input. Legal is going to have an input. Somebody needs to own this project and somebody needs to be able to say, between these three choices, we're going with choice A. Or, you know what, we do need to delay the launch by three weeks because of this other activity going on. And that's okay. That person has to be a senior person. They have to be authorized to make those decisions so that people aren't second guessing them. And it really cannot be decision by committee or you will not get through it. I think those points that you made are key things for the decision maker. You know, do we say yes to this? Do we say no to this? I think those are key things. But I, as I was listening to you, it really sounded like a policy is a key resource that may be necessary, or maybe it's a procedure, but I'm going to go up to the policy level. A key resource that's needed once you start to get a system in place. What I'm trying to get at is you can't just throw a system in, you said that, and have it work. There are things that need to change first. There are things that you need to do to make sure that uh, the workflow is going correctly because people will use the workarounds if, if it's not correct. And so the decision maker is a key component and their decisions should be mapped out not only from a tactical perspective, but from an overall perspective, we're going to use this workflow. This is the decision process that's going to be used. I think you're, uh, yeah, so a perfect illustration of how this is not linear. 
right? We're, we're talking about how information management projects should be implemented. And one of the key characteristics of an information management project is it flows throughout your whole organization. So when we started to talk about resources and I honed in on people, the people resources, you, you immediately linked that to what are the rules that these people are following? And what are the rules we want them to follow? How are those rules codified in policy? But it's or what are the right? rules that they need to make up in order for the system to actually work? Okay. Yes. That's another aspect to it, I think, too, because that you have to understand that in order to make the system work. We're not to that step yet. We're still just trying to get the people who are going to make those choices, right? <laughs> but it, it's easy to jump ahead. And I and that happens in every project that you start to think, oh, we've got Bill and he's going to be our project sponsor. Bill, we need you to make decisions. And Bill's like, great. What I want is that there's a clean accounting, you know, accounting flow and there's no room for hesitation. And if it doesn't get approved by in three days, then it just jumps over that person and goes to the next person. So Bill, when you said you're going to be the decision maker, Bill immediately started building in his mind, what's the new policy? What's the new process? Um, because he's been thinking about this for a while. It's important to him. In the project, you're probably going to have to rein Bill in a little and say, we're not there yet. <laughs> we need that. But who else needs to be involved? Because it's not going to be just the one guy, right? There is one decision maker, but everybody has input. So I think that makes perfect sense what you did, but I want to save that for another day. <laughs> okay with that. But let's talk about external vendors. Let's talk about external resources now. In a technology project, you're going to have a vendor. Some vendors do their own implementations. It's actually become, I think, more rare that you'll have a vendor that has a big services team. Most often vendors partner with some system integrator or implementer. And so you end up with, do you have two contracts, one with the vendor to get the software, one with the implementer to do the implementation? It's extra complications. They all have opinions. When we work with clients, we are neither a vendor nor an implementer. So we are a different voice in that mix, bringing in a, a different type of expertise. If you're doing that in-house, that's you. But if you have hired somebody, to, to help you with that, then you've got that voice too, kind of brokering things between the vendor and the implementer and the user group to try and pull everybody together. And it's important to get a team that you believe can work well together because the software, if you're looking at enterprise level software for some niche like contract management or data management or land management or content management, those software spaces are pretty well-defined. The big names in those spaces are going to provide all of the same baseline services. They're gonna have a slightly different you, you know, look and feel, but not a huge difference. There's gonna be more subtle differences in how hard is it to set up the backend? How hard is it to set up your lookup tables or your reference tables? How hard is it to differentiate user roles and to provide security um, at different levels of granularity? So those are important choices in your software selection, and they kind of bleed into how is this going to work from an implementation standpoint? Do you want 
a software vendor that's just like, here you go. And they, and they're done. And then it's all on you and your internal resources to figure out how to use it. Something that's more specialized an environmental safety um, system or something, your vendor is going to give you more help, but that means it's also not as intuitive for your users. So this team that you put together that is a mix of your internal and external resources has to cover all these bases. What do you need internally? How's it gonna fit your business process? What kind of change management, communication and training do you need to get your users ready? What are the, the harder, you know, the more concrete, more tangible things? What are the software capabilities that you want? What platform is it gonna be on? What kind of security will you have? What kind of uptime will you have and reliability? So this picking your resources and pulling this team together, you got to spend the time on it. You don't want to just, oh, we picked software, let's go. Because then you're going to be constantly playing catch up. Oh, we should have gotten a lawyer involved. Oh, we should have gotten somebody from the field involved. Oh, we really need somebody from over in that group. Can we call them up right now? Yes, but they won't be available. <laughs> so... Yeah, that makes sense. And I think you need to understand who you are and then what type of organization you have, because your organization may be the type that says, thank you, just throw it over the cubicle wall and we'll take it from there. Or if it's more inclusive and then in your evaluation of the vendors, I think you need to be able to figure out and see if they're inclusive like that as well. I agree. I like to look at it as every interaction that I'm having with your user base, with the stakeholders, is an opportunity for change management and making people ready to work in the new environment. It's the same thing with the vendors. Every interaction that you have with them gives you some insight into how they're going to work, and it gives them insight into how you're going to work with them. So you can form and you, you come up with an, an informed opinion of, is this going to be a tough project for us to implement? Or do we have the right people here? And yeah, we're going to encounter some, there's always some quirk, some challenge, but we can handle it. Cool. I think that was a lot of stuff. And I think it covered all of the resources that I mentioned earlier. So please, if anyone has questions, please send us an email at info at trailblazer.us.com. That's info at trailblazer.us.com. Or look us up on the web at trailblazer.us.com. Thank you for listening and please tune in to our next episode. Thanks, Lee. And before I go, I just want to say that there's a whole subgroup of resources we did not talk about today, which is all around data migration. So stay tuned. We will get to them soon. <laughs> <laughs>